You are listening to the Taking the Leap podcast with me, your host, Rachel G. Scott. This podcast is dedicated to inspiring you to take bold leaps of faith as we hear the powerful stories of both men and women from different industries and walks of life who obey God and took risks in exchange for heaven's rewards. As you listen, my hope is that their stories will give you the confidence you need to trust God as he leads you to your next leap. Now, let's learn a little about our next guest. Today, Rachel's speaking with Dorena Gilmore. Dorena is an author, speaker, podcaster, former news reporter, and coach. She has published two of her own Bible studies, Glory Chasers and Flourishing Together, in addition to contributing to other Bible studies with Dayspring's Encourage Writing Team. Dorena shares her incredible story of God's grace and provision through seasons of grief, transition, and waiting. She has dealt with losing a husband at a young age, having to step away from a ministry she built with her late husband, and enduring an 11-year wait for her dream to become a published children's author. She also shares with us her personal testimony on how running helped her through some of the toughest times in her life. If you're in the midst of a tough transition yourself, and you're also feeling called to take a leap, this episode will both comfort and encourage you. Now, let's jump in. Hi, Delena. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Rachel. Thank you. It's an honor to be here with you today. I'm so excited to hear your journey of taking leaps, especially since you do a lot with running. And that may not seem related at all, but since um, I am learning the importance of running, I can't wait to hear how that leap came about. But before we get started, I would love if you can just tell my listeners a little bit about you. Yeah, thank you. Well, I am a girl mama. I've got three daughters and they are ages nine, 12 and 15. So I'm kind of straddling elementary school, middle school and high school with them. And I'm married to Sean. I'm actually a remarried widow. So my first husband went to heaven in 2014. We can talk a little bit more about that story later. But yeah, just super grateful for Sean being in my life and my career. My focus when I'm not doing the mom thing is that I am an author and speaker. So I write for Encourage, which is a website by Dayspring. And I also write Bible studies and nonfiction. And I have a podcast as well. I love podcasting. Just got started with that. Oh, that's awesome. Podcasting is a leap in itself. Seriously. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. Tell us a little bit about just your journey into becoming a writer and author. What was that journey like? Yeah. Oh, that's such a great question. And I'm going to try to sort of condense it because really, honestly, it's been sort of a lifetime thing for me. I wanted to become a writer when I was little. It was like my first grade dream, but I didn't know exactly what that was going to look like. And of course, you know, God leads us down these paths that have lots of winding and turning and uphills and downhills. Um, So I pursued a career in journalism as a daily newspaper reporter through college and and out of college. I got a job at a newspaper here in Central California where I live. And I really did enjoy writing for the newspaper. I think in writing daily newspaper stories, it really gave me this love for interviewing people and for being a storyteller. So I had the chance to tell a lot of other people's stories through that job. I worked for the life section. So I got to interview like authors and chefs and athletes and musicians, poets, all kinds of people in that role. And it really taught me kind of the discipline of writing for deadlines. 
But my dream since I was a little girl was to always write children's books. And so I got started after working for the newspaper. I came back here to Fresno and I was actually um, doing what I, I invested in a master's program at Hollins University. And then I started sending out manuscripts to publishers and editors and got my first children's book published 11 years ago. So I like to say that my book, Cora Cooks Ponset, she's in middle school now because <laughs> that was a little while ago. And honestly, it's been a hard journey. There have been times where it was very challenging to be in that. And then I even ventured out into some different genres, like doing Bible studies, doing nonfiction for adults. But writing has always been kind of central to my focus, the gift that God was having me use, but in a variety of ways. Oh, I love that. Now, are you originally from Fresno? I'm actually from Chicago. I grew up in Chicago and then I moved out here after college. So I say I'm a California girl now because I've been out here 21 yeah. years. Absolutely. <laughs> you, get, you get to claim that totally. Yes. <laughs> okay, so what made you choose California when you got out of college? Well, honestly, you know, I had um, my dad's family lived out here. My brother was going to college in Southern California, and I always kind of had my sights on California. I interviewed with several different newspapers and this newspaper the Fresno Bee is what it was called. And, you know, they offered me a job that out of college was just such a great opportunity to work for the life section. It was kind of my dream that I could be able to cover like books and art and culture and faith. And so I was going to get to write the stories that I was interested in. And I didn't really know much about Central California, but I knew that it was a diverse place. I knew that it was close to the mountains and just a couple hours from the beach. So I was like, okay, here we go. Let's do it. <laughs> I love that. I love it. And so you get to California and you're working, but what made you transition to doing, because right now you're doing full, you're a writer full-time and a speaker. So mm -hmm. how did that transition come about? Well, it kind of has happened in stages, you know. I was writing as a journalist in daily newspapers. And then actually I ended up getting married and my husband, Eric Lee, he was from a family where his grandparents were pioneer missionaries in Haiti and actually met him on a mission trip. And it was, you know, with our church, he was the leader of the trip. And I fell in love with Haiti. I had, you know, gone there with him and with some of the other young singles in our church fell in love with that country. I ended up actually quitting my job at the newspaper, which was a crazy risky thing to do. Talk about taking a leap. Yes. <laughs> it was definitely a leap of faith because I had been working for, you know, all these years in school to be a journalist, but I just knew that the Lord was calling me to this mission opportunity in Haiti. So I moved there for a little while. I was actually teaching English in Haiti. And I didn't know that God was orchestrating all these details that Eric Lee, who was the leader of that original trip, was going to become my husband. So we got married. And then kind of a long story short is we ended up starting a nonprofit in Haiti. And I took that leap of leaving the newspaper and going ahead with the nonprofit. And I, I was a writer with our nonprofit just because I was telling the stories of the people that we were serving in Haiti and trying to build those partnerships. So people here in the U S could come and visit and serve and donate. And then, you know, part of the tragedy of my story is that my husband was diagnosed with cancer in 2014. 
we were in what I would call the sweet spot of ministry. We felt like, you know, God was growing the things that were happening in Haiti. We were seeing the calling that he had on our lives. And then it all came to this really screeching halt when we got this diagnosis. And my husband was diagnosed with stage four melanoma cancer, um, which is a very aggressive type of cancer. And he actually went to heaven three months later. So in that season, you know, here I was suddenly a single mom, a widow, my babies were ages two, five, and eight. And I had to make some big decisions about my career because I thought we were going to be doing this nonprofit thing for the rest of our lives. My people were in Haiti, like everything was there, but I really felt like the Lord was saying, you know, now is time for you to come home. And I have a community of people here in central California that are going to care for you. And I really needed that time to care for my children. So I actually stepped down from my role with the nonprofit and came back home. And through that leap of coming back home and really focusing here, God opened up this whole new doorway of ministry, which brought me into writing and speaking full time. Wow. Wow. That is a, that's such a powerful story. And, you know, even listening, we think that the stories are just smooth sailing all the time. Right. And oftentimes there's bumps along the way, unexpected turn of events that we don't have any control over. So as you were navigating this newness that was going on, what did life look like for you as far as did you hand over completely the, the ministry, the nonprofit, or how did that, that release feel? Honestly, it was uh, what I'll call a secondary loss. I mean, obviously the loss of my husband was the hugest part of that. That was so difficult, but it was a secondary loss in the sense of like, this was my sense of identity. This was my calling, um, my community of people. And we kind of had to just like rip ourselves out of it, so to speak. And I struggled. I struggled with that decision because it just, it felt risky. It felt hard. It wasn't what I dreamed of. In some sense, I knew that I needed to step out so that I could just pass the baton to other people. And it's interesting because my late husband, Eric Lee was very visionary and he was all about raising up leaders. And I remember he would always talk about, we've got to train the next people. We got to train the people who are going to take over for when we're gone. He was always forward-minded in that way. And there were sometimes as his wife where I was like, what are you even talking about? Like, we, we could never leave Haiti. Like, we are so roots in the ground invested in this. But I feel like he had eternity in his heart. It was like the Lord knew what was coming for him. And so I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to pass the baton to some other people that we really trusted. And I knew that if I was sitting at the table, you know, as part of the board of directors or anyone making the decision, that it would be really hard for everyone involved. And I wanted to be able to honor my husband, but also empower that next group of leaders to say, hey, make the decisions that are, you know, the best for what's going on in the ministry and where God is leading you, not just because, you know, we're here trying to do things the way that Eric Lee had done them before. Wow. You know, when I hear you, I think, that's such the heart of a servant, you know, mm. to just say, this is about me serving, but it's not about me. I want to make sure that what God intended to happen continues forward. And even you recognizing that your late husband was the visionary of that. So 
So I want to ask you, when did running become a part of your journey? Well, running has really always been a part of my journey as well. I mean, I was a runner since I was a young person. I did track and field when I was in high school. And it's kind of funny because Eric Lee and I, like part of the reason we met is because we did this track and field camp in Haiti. That was our mission trip that we had gone on originally. And ironically, God also had me meet my current husband, Sean, on that same trip because Eric Lee and Sean were really good friends. They were both runners and Eric Lee had invited Sean to come and be on that trip too, as one of the coaches. And so they had competed in high school. They were friends from the church youth group in college. And so that's kind of how I got to know both of them because all three of us shared this love for running and competing and coaching. We actually ended up coaching together, the three of us at the local Christian high school, which is where my kids go to school now. So running has through the years been a part of like my community and how I've met people and how I've cultivated friendships, but it's also been something for me personally that has been very healing. And I'll say in my grief journey, especially it's like been my therapy and believe me, I am not against, you know, actual going to therapy and seeing a counselor. I think that that is so important, but for me, Running was already a powder in my rhythm. And so when my husband went to heaven, I didn't know if I could run again because he had always been my running buddy, but I knew that God was like opening that back up for me. So I, I started running again. I started, you know, going running with some girlfriends. I did a lot of trail running. So in the mountains here in California, I got to see God's creation. And really that was a place where I would pour out my heart to the Lord. I would grieve. I would cry. It was my only time that I really had away from my kids because I was a single mom and a widow. And so running became this way that I would like process my emotions and my grief. And since then, I've learned a little bit more about brain science and therapy and, you know, doing something like movement of the body, a physical thing like that actually does help us in our brains and in our emotions to process things. God designed us that way. But to me, it was like, well, I'm going to go running because that's what I've always done. You know, it wasn't because I was trying to like be my own therapist or something. I love that. You know, what's so what's so interesting is maybe like a year ago, I started just walking and I didn't realize how much of an impact that was going to have because I didn't grow up running, walking, exercising. That just wasn't the culture of my family. So when I started walking, I'm like, wait a second, when I'm stressed and I go walk, I literally could feel the tension being released in a way that sitting and just talking about it, it didn't necessarily do or just sitting period. I love that you combined the healing process with something that you love to do. And so then you wrote a book from it, Walk, Run, Soar. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this is a really fun project that I really never imagined doing, but the opportunity opened through this publishing company and I loved it. Actually, Sean and I worked on this together and Walk Run Soar is a 52 week devotional. So you may know a traditional devotional kind of has a story that's inspiring that goes along with scripture, but then we added some bonuses to that, really trying to reach out to runners and walkers. And so we have quotes in there so people can be inspired. There's some room for reflection. There's space for people to record like, oh, today I walked or ran, you know, two miles or maybe something that God showed them when they were out on the trail. So it's really combining 
that, you know, spiritual aspect, the emotional aspect and the physical, really a holistic approach. And then as far as the scripture and the devotionals that I wrote, they're all stories from things that God showed me on my runs and from scripture. And there's actually so much of scripture that talks about walking with God, running the race, you know, the hurdles of life, all of that kind of thing. So let me just ask this personal question for me. For someone who's not a runner, what is, how do you get started wanting to run? Like I, I, I love walking, but when I think of running, I think, oh, that's going to be so exhausting. <laughs> Well, you're not alone. And one of the phrases that I often say is your pace is your pace. And so you really, honestly, you're already walking. If you already have that as part of your rhythm, you could just, if you want to run, you could start incorporating a little bit more running in that. So maybe you're going to go for a walk. You can maybe run for two minutes and walk for three minutes or run for five minutes and walk for five minutes. That's one way that people kind of approach it. I mean, we always, my husband, Sean, and I coach a lot of people to do half marathons. And so we're bringing them basically from the couch to the finish line, as they say. And we start small, you know, that first week we have a a program that's laid out for them. In fact, in the back of our book is a training program. So if you want to do like a 5k race or a 10k race or a half marathon, It gives you the workout ideas. So you might start off that first week, like running or walking the one mile a couple times a week. And then the next week, maybe you're going to do two miles or three miles. So you're slowly increasing and you're training your body. So, you know, you don't go from one mile to 26 miles. Like that would just be crazy. So there's this growth that happens. And, And that's why I love the connection to the spiritual too, because we have to, train our spiritual muscles as well. You know, people don't just sit down and read the Bible for five hours. Like you might need to go and read a couple of verses or read one chapter and give yourself those little goals along the way until it becomes a habit. I love that. You know, even for me, that's something that I had to learn because you, you hear people and they're like, I read, I sit down and I read for two hours. And you're like, well, I, I can barely open, you know, my Bible and it can become intimidating, but it's all about pace. It's all about what's going to work for you and how you pace yourself. And you, that's literally what I did when I was working to spend more time with God is I started reading three scriptures and I built up my appetite so that I would want more. And I would read, I'm like, I want to keep reading, but I'm going to stop here because I want to, I want to want to come back tomorrow to find out what happened. You know, what else does God want to say? We have to, we got to build up that appetite. Now I want to ask a question that to me is a sort of a leap, which is, did you do a children's book first to a devotional? Yes. So that first children's book that I mentioned that was published 11 years ago, it's called Cora Cook's Ponseat. And that was really my focus. And I actually did a master's program that was in children's literature. So I I thought I was going to just focus on children's lit, but through the years, first of all, publishing is hard. And I got lots of rejection letters from people along the way. And so I realized, okay, well, while I'm waiting for people to get back to me about these children's books that I've sent out, I'm going to look for other opportunities. And that's kind of how I started moving towards writing for women, writing for a Christian audience. And honestly, because of my husband's death and going through that grief journey, that really opened a lot of doors for me to share my personal story. Because prior, as you remember, I was a journalist, so I was telling other people's stories. And then I was writing children's stories, which were fiction. But as a young widow, there were so many people who were interested in 
you know, what I was living on a daily basis and people who cared about me, who wanted to pray for us and support us. So I really started doing a lot of like posting on Instagram and speaking as well as writing on a blog and then eventually getting the job at Encourage where I write for them once a month. I love that. You know, when I think of even writing for me, that's a, it's a, a transition to be able to write for children and then turn around and write for adults. So that, that in itself is a gift thing. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> that's a huge gift. And so now you, you work or encourage what's life like with working for encourage, but also working on your own book projects. Yeah. You know, I, I'm so grateful for this present season. One of my babies were little and I was nursing them and we were involved in our nonprofit. I always dreamed about writing children's books and writing and having space and time to do it. And at the same time, just not really knowing how in the world it would happen because there was so much of our time that was devoted to the needs of our ministry. And so as I look back, I think, wow, God really opened up this space. So in this season, I get to drop my kids off at school and I come home and I really make my own schedule. I'm not naturally like a super, I don't know, disciplined or perfectionist kind of person. Like my brain doesn't work that way naturally because I'm a creative, but I do clock my hours for myself. I plan out, okay, I'm going to do these three tasks today, or I'm going to work on this writing project today. These are my hours that I'm going to work on it. Or like I'm part of a Bible study, women's Bible study right now that I'm helping lead. So Thursdays is my Bible study day and, you know, I'll do podcasts in the afternoon. So I have to build my time as if I was working for an employer and through that, you know, I've learned I'm a business person. I'm an entrepreneur. So writing is the vehicle, but really I have to keep on top of that and accountable to those deadlines because I have different things, different projects that are going on at the same time. Yeah. And I love to tell writers, like, even if you are, you're working for yourself, you still have to create those deadlines because you're an entrepreneur, you know, you're Mm -hmm. an authorpreneur is what I've heard people call it. It's literally, you still have these deadlines and this pace that you have to move at to get things done because there's someone waiting for you to move on to the next step for their own, for, yeah. for whatever they're working on. So I love that. So my question to you, I have a couple, a couple more questions. What is something that you would say to someone who's maybe in a tough season of, of transition and needing to take a leap? What's something you would say to them? Oh, that's such a good question. And, you know, transition is something that is constant for us, you know, whether it's precipitated by the things that have been happening these last few years with the pandemic or just some things in our personal lives, we always have to step into transition. And that's something that I have to keep myself mindful of. It's like, what am I transitioning from? And what is God having me look toward? And I think probably the biggest advice that I preach to myself and to others is that if you feel like you're in that transition, if you're in the tension of it, it is more important that you make space for rest and for listening to the Lord. And it's almost counterintuitive because like if, if we're in transition with jobs, for example, or maybe we're moving to a new neighborhood, your spirit and our culture tells us, oh, this is time to speed up. This is time to fill up your to-do list and send out the resumes and like seek out all the opportunities. But I think what I've learned through the years, and not to say that I'm perfect at this, but those are actually the times that I need to have more time listening to the Lord, more time where I'm discerning what he's showing me, 
And even sometimes making space for grief, because if we're transitioning from one thing to a next, it means we have to say goodbye to something in order to say hello to something new. So for example, years ago, when I had to make that decision to step out of our nonprofit, I had to make space for grieving that it was hard. And if I just jumped into the next thing, then my heart wouldn't have actually dealt with that. And sometimes our culture, we just like, okay, stuff it down. We're not going to cry about it. We're going to move on. But that actually doesn't help us. In fact, it's going to manifest itself probably in negative ways, whether it's in our body or our relationships in the future, if we don't deal with that grief. So I would say my advice would be to put that quiet time, make sure you have space for rest and space for grief. I love that. You actually answered the next question I was going to ask you about, you know, during those seasons where you may be grieving something. And I love what you said as far as just making that space for it, making, giving yourself permission to say, okay, this is going to be a season where I need to allow myself to grieve what I'm leaving and what I'm going into. Okay. Like grieve on both ends, because this, this may not be what I expected life to look like right now. And so then, of course, my question for it, my final question for you is, what's your next leap? What do you have coming up next? Ooh, well, the thing about serving Jesus is that we don't always get all the details, right? I mean, sometimes <laughs> it's just like that next step. I think Martin Luther King talked about that, like the staircase. We don't get to see it all. We get to see that next step. And so I think for me, it's stepping forward in faith, knowing that God's called me to be a writer and a speaker in this season. Sometimes I can get caught up into what some people call imposter syndrome, feeling like I'm questioning and wondering and doubting, like, is this what you want me to do, Lord? But I think for me in this season, the leap is just saying, yes, this is what he called me to do. And it's maybe not going to look like exactly how I thought, but especially in this next year, as I'm looking at this next year, God has brought around some new opportunities. And so I have just signed a contract for two new children's books that are coming out 11 years. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. You know, I love to tell this story because it's all glory to God. I mean, 11 years I waited 10, like a decade, you know, I think about Joseph sitting in the prison and Daniel sitting in the furnace, like there's these times where we're waiting and we feel abandoned by God. We feel like, do you even remember this dream? Or I thought you gave me this dream. Like, why is it not happening? And so for me, that was 10 years. And certainly I was doing lots of other things during that time. But then 10 years later, being able to connect with an editor, Bumi Ishola is her name from Penguin Random House Waterbrook. And she had a heart for all of these stories that I've been writing for the last 10 years, like God already had in her heart, not that I was trying to convince her, but that she was looking for those very types of stories. And so I am stepping into this new season where I'm getting to kind of circle back, come full circle to my children's book writing, um, in addition to the other nonfiction writing and speaking. I love that. You know what? It makes me think about just being diligent. Because God's working on the other, the other end. Like he's, he's, he was working on her heart. He was just saying, you, you just keep writing, just keep writing. And then at the appointed time, at the right time, he's going to bring it all together. I love that. Well, this has been amazing. And I so appreciate your time. Can you tell my listeners where they can find you? Thanks so much, Rachel. Um, probably the easiest way to find me is on my website. It's darinagilmore.com. And I also love to hang out on Instagram. So 
if people like to see kind of my daily life and be encouraged, then you can hop over to Darina Gilmore on Instagram as well. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast episode. I hope you enjoy what you heard and you're even more encouraged to trust God with your next week. Before you go, I want to invite you to visit thefiveleaps.com to learn more about upcoming guests, get helpful resources to help you prepare to take your next leap and join the Taking the Leap membership community. And don't forget to text podcast to 216-279-7174 for weekly reminders and more personalized leap support. Enjoy the rest of your day. And remember, God can do more with our willingness than he could ever do with our worthiness.